trade efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. Here in episode 21, we have Patrick Malloy. He's a technical lead in electrification at Rocky Mountain Institute, where he shares his thoughts on the need to educate people on hydrogen as an energy source, why hydrogen is a good carbon-free solution for many industries, the opportunities it provides as a fuel for the trucking industry, and the need to learn from others in order to know when it is time to make a decision about hydrogen use in your operation. Thanks a lot for joining me today, Patrick. No worries, Mike. Happy to join you. This conversation is uh, really timely because I know you're a bit of a hydrogen expert. Um, I know I don't like being called an expert, so maybe you don't either. But, uh, um, you know, it, it comes at a time where there's a real plethora of information swirling around. It seems like, you know, everyone and every day there's there's something about hydrogen. Before we get started, I, I always ask my guests if they remember you know, how we met or how we first became friends. So uh, do you recall how that happened? I think the first time I met you was probably very briefly at, a, at an Oromai retreat when I just started. Um, but the, the first uh, meaningful kind of consequential conversation was actually a little while ago, I think, when you swung through D.C. where I'm based. And, uh, and we actually talked about hydrogen and trucking because there was a there was the, the first kind of sparks of excitement around kind of opportunity and, you know, talking about, you know, I think it was Nicola and, and the work that Toyota and Kenilworth were doing. Yeah, I think that was I think that was the first one sitting in the uh, the lobby area of the, the RMI office in D.C. Yeah, I mean, that, that was sort of a big moment. I mean, hydrogen's been, you know, studied by the DOE and been, let's call it, in labs for decades, right? And that, that um uh, I remember when I first heard that the Nikola truck was moving from a natural gas engine to hydrogen fuel cell, and and then uh, you know following some of the DOE programs with, with Kenworth and Toyota and so forth, it was um, it, it, that was sort of a big moment. And you know here we are a couple years later. And um, tell us a little bit, bit about yourself. I understand you were involved in politics uh, both in Ireland and across Europe a bit. And uh, just kind of how did you how did you go from um, all of that to uh, to where you are now? Yeah, I suppose, you know, we all make mistakes in life. Um, and, uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I, I kind of got into it, um, when I was, when I was still pretty young and, and, you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot changing the world at the time when I was involved. Um, we were, you know, it was in the middle of the, the, the financial crisis back in 2008, 2009, kind of kicked off then. And a couple of years after that, I was, looking for a job and it was a it was one of those times where you kind of felt like it was the right thing to do to get involved as well as everything else right so started in that and over time uh ended up kind of progressing through in a way and uh i i suppose you know ended up working a little bit for um a kind of an epilepsy advocacy group in europe for a little while and yeah i've done a few a few random and weird things over the course of that time but um I think one of the, the, the reasons that I actually kind of moved this direction in terms of kind of into the energy space was because I was trying to find uh, or help out a couple of guys who were former nuclear engineers uh, who were looking to speak before a committee in the, the Irish Parliament. And um, we were trying to find who they could talk to or should they you know, be you know, presenting to one person or another and realized that the, the committee that originally would have dealt with that sort of uh, an input had been kind of abolished at the time. So it was a, one of those those dawning moments where you kind of look in the mirror and you go, man, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of trouble in the world around energy and 
you know, the transformation of, of the world around us that when we don't have a committee, it feels like somebody should be doing something about that. And uh, I think the unfortunate reality of uh, my circumstances, I, I tend to look at it a little bit more like uh, if somebody should be doing something and you don't see enough of it, you, probably you're the person who should be doing something. So uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I did. Yeah, I I, uh, I I recall that kind of like a PTA moment. So I don't know if you know Parent Teacher uh, <laughs> Association, but, you know, you you look around the room and, and it just says, all right, yeah, I'm probably as good as anybody to do this. And so you jump into it. So was that, was that specific to hydrogen then? No, that was, that was originally uh, looking at kind of energy and, and grid systems and, and looking at the, you know, the development of, you know, obviously renewables and storage and looking at, you know, the next generation of power resources that we're going to see start to come online. And, you know, I don't know if uh, any of your listeners have, have been to Ireland, but I'll, I'll tell you, it's a windy place. So if there's a, a good spot for a wind turbine, it's, it's probably there. Um, so, yeah, that's where I, what I started looking at. And I joined RMI's uh, Business Renewable Center, which is a, a group that um, helps, uh, you know, develop kind of, uh, kind of buyer comfort with uh, procuring uh, renewable energy. And uh, then I moved in to work with our mining team, and and was there when we uh, when we started to to kind of get involved in hydrogen and uh, and in in a funny kind of maybe semi kind of a related kind of space to, to your good self um, looking at these huge huge um, mining haul trucks you know you know size of a size of a normal normal house right like a normal property and uh, you're you're looking at these things and you're saying okay how do we how do we solve for what these mining companies want to do with you know you know, using less diesel or reducing their kind of their kind of fossil fuel consumption, and and how do you do it in a in a good way that doesn't damage their business prospects, but also you know solves for the, the the transition they're trying to make. Yeah, so let's talk. So just help educate you know me and sort of the audience on uh, on hydrogen in general, and look at let's talk about it at the kind of you know so hydrogen as an energy source, and you know take us through. Um, at the sort of the highest level, you know, not just in transportation or in trucking, but, you know, what is the opportunity? Why, why does it seem so, uh, it's like such a big thing? Yeah, I think, I think the first thing to say, and, and you know, folks who, who might have, you know, kind of experience with, you know, oil and gas sector or the agriculture sector or even chemicals will, will be aware of hydrogen a little bit, right? Because anybody who, who works in a refinery knows hydrogen through uh, through processing and you know kind of splitting out the uh, the various kind of products out of your barrel of crude, um, you know, and fertilizers as well. You know, all your ammonia uses uses hydrogen to as a, as a kind of a fundamental feedstock. So you know, we've got these existing areas where hydrogen is is already consumed, right? It's a mature market, right? And that's about you know to give to put a number on it in the U.S. It's about 10 million metric tons, right? So we're talking a, a pretty big market today already. What's kind of getting exciting <laughs> is that we're looking at kind of two changes in the kind of general space. The first is that we're now looking at, you know, a world that's trying to decarbonize. It's trying to, trying to find a pathway forward. And for a lot of heavy industries, this is a solution pathway that gives them the opportunity to do that. So one that, that my team works on quite a bit is, is steel manufacturing. So you can use hydrogen in place of coking coal, right? And, you know, you change the system a little bit, but you can produce, you know, carbon-free steel effectively, green steel. 
And, you know, there's a few other sectors, chemical sector I've mentioned, you know, some of the more uh, exciting stuff, you know, looking at uh, kind of uh, planes, trains and, and, and automobiles, right? You know, there's folks in Airbus and there's a few other, uh, Zeravia looking at converting planes, shipping, looking at ammonia conversions. And, and then obviously in the direct relevance here, you've obviously quite a few people looking at trucks and, uh, and buses for fuel cell uh, applications for hydrogen. So hydrogen is giving us a, a pathway into a lot of sectors where it's been hard to change. And, you know, depending on the sector, sometimes it's a seed stock for, for production and sometimes it's, it's the energy carrier, right, to, uh, to help you power your, your vehicle or your vessel. Yeah, and so we've been, you know, we've been working with you, obviously, I guess kind of full disclosure on that. You know, Patrick has been working with the NACSI, uh hydrogen and electric truck team. And so we've been looking at why electric, why hydrogen will sell electric vehicles. And so, you know, kind of where we're concluding is that, um, you know, if an electric truck will do the job, uh, you should use it. And, you know, hydrogen is there uh, to help that electric truck operate in maybe more circumstances, whether you need uh, longer, longer miles. You can put that, um, you know, extend the range of that electric truck by going with a fuel cell and and uh, and that sort of thing. So is that um, I suppose we see that in some other sectors where, you know, passenger car and other things, but where you just absolutely can't get there with a battery. Um, is that sort of how you view um, hydrogen with respect to um, uh, some of the markets you were just talking about? It, yeah, look, it, it, it's it's one of it's one of these things that you know folks talk about electric vehicles, right? You know, with a fuel cell, it's still an electric vehicle, right? So you know, there's no there's no inconsistency in in respect of that aspect. What, what we're talking about is trying to find the solution and the tool to to solve a problem. So if you've got a weight sensitivity, if you've a uh, duration in terms of refueling sensitivity, um, you know, if you've got in sometimes size and, you know, you know, I know that, you know, trucking can, you know, there's an aspect of kind of sizing the vehicles as well, right? So comply with the, the regulations, right? Like those sort of constraints, something like hydrogen, because it's low weight, it's, you know, a fuel cell pretty small, you know, it helps solve a problem. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, for instance, aviation, one of the challenges we have is, well, you need pretty pretty energy-dense fuel and and you need it to be lightweight because I don't know about you, Mike, but I, I'd like to get in the, the lightest plane I possibly could uh, rather than the heaviest one I possibly could. Right. Um, and it's, it's, one of, it's one of these things about like finding the, finding the right tool to solve the problem you have. And if you're, you know, trying to run a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week operation every day of the year, you know, then you're counting the seconds and, and, you know, that's where something like, you know, hydrogen as a kind of a refueling system similar to what we have with diesel or gasoline uh, kind of matches up to the use case a little better than some of the other solutions we have. But as you, as you rightly flag, we've got a, an opportunity to hybridize, to, you know, put these two things together to solve, you know, the solution absolutely. And uh, yeah, this is why this is exciting because I suppose for the first time, first time really in, in quite a while in quite a few sectors, we've got options and options to, to totally talk about, you know, performance solutions, right? Like, so, you know, how does our conventional vehicle or process stand up versus some of these emerging solutions that are complementary, not competitive? And, and that's the big thing for me is that if we do this right, 
we can solve an awful lot of our, of our existing challenges in deployments of uh, carbon-free solutions. Yeah, so, so, you know, for battery, and I don't want to com- kind of do a complete compare and contrast here, but, you know, for battery electric cars, trucks, vans, the, um, you know, the breakthroughs that have occurred in lithium-ion batteries and other battery management, you know, has really uh, created a bigger market than we thought, right? So what's going on with hydrogen? So, you know, like, um, you know, like I mentioned a little earlier, you know, it's kind of been the next big thing for 50 years now. What, what's changed? What's, um, is it the uh, creation of the fuel itself? Is it um, how we're, you know, is it, are, is it the fuel cells on the vehicles? But, you know, is technology advanced to why it makes sense now when it didn't before? I think it's, it's, it's kind of all of the above, right? Um, I think the thing that, that, you know, folks who might have been familiar with, you know, I think it was back in the, the 90s and, and George W. Bush uh, advocating for, uh, or his administration advocating for, uh, like, a hydrogen um, use in, in mobility. Um, you know, part of the reason those cars struggled to get off the ground and those vehicles in general was, was around efficiency, right? It's like, um, you know, changing out a fuel cell and a, a conventional kind of uh, internal combustion engine vehicle, you know, you know, it wasn't it wasn't standing up against its competitors, right? So there's been a lot of cross learning because of the uh, you know the, the learnings that have come from the improvements in kind of electric vehicles over the last decade, and some of those, by virtue of fuel cell electric vehicles being electric vehicles, mean that that they get an, an advantage uh, that they didn't have when they first looked at deployment. Uh, the other bit, and I think this is where it's it's kind of more of the, the kind of interesting deployment aspect. The first thing is, uh, this is a less mature technology than, than batteries. It, it's certainly not quite had the, uh, the intensity of research probably over the last little while, uh, but we're seeing a huge ramp up and you're seeing really, really sizable um, improvements in the performance, the longevity. You're seeing really significant uh, cost declines, particularly on the electrolyzer side, to produce the hydrogen. But also, you know, fuel cell innovation is still going and, and still improving. And all of that together, plus the uh, the capacity to deploy and, and build at scale, uh, because of these, you know, multiple markets that we're talking about, is something that could drive down the costs pretty pretty substantially. The one additional element that I'm going to throw in here, just just to uh, to, to kind of flag uh, flag a little bit of a distinction that we're probably going to talk about. But the other aspect of this that's kind of critical, both for battery electric vehicles and, and for, um, you know, fuel cell electric vehicles, is, is the fact that renewable prices uh, are driving down your electricity costs. And that's making it, you know, potentially more and more competitive versus versus other systems. And, and this can potentially accelerate kind of deployment levels. Yeah, very, very good point, because, you know, that that's, that's common between the two the two uh, alternatives here. I mean, whether you take um, electricity and put it right into a battery and right to the wheels to haul freight, or whether you, you know, use electricity to create hydrogen, right? It's, it's, it's electric, electricity intensive, and then, uh, and then, uh, you know, and then go at it both time, both ways. Uh, renewable and cheaper electric um, helps. Mm-hmm. Exactly that. One last point on this, very quickly, is that. One of the other aspects, and, and I think I think it's uh, it's a, an important one, is that when you have you know big potential industrial consumers, um, you know you're talking about developing infrastructure that's going to be used by a lot of sectors, 
and that can help manage the costs of rollout and deployment. And it can make it easier for, you know, potentially kind of slightly smaller use cases to 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 kind of come down the cost curve and and start to be competitive with uh, with kind of conventional fuels as well. In particularly for trucking, we see you know areas like Germany and some other places who have high commitments to hydrogen in their industrial manufacturing sectors, or um, you know Canada where there's a you know a lot of uh, renewable power that's cheap and available. I mean there will be these pockets for early adoption of hydrogen fuel cell um, electric trucks we think and and that'll that'll be a you know, it's always good in these um accelerate or these adoption curves where there's these great use cases right that can that can be the first movers to really get us to understand uh, the benefits and so forth so great points there um hey and you i understand you even do a podcast focused on hydrogen tell me tell me about that and uh maybe um you know uh, why do you do it? You know, is it um, uh, who's been on it? Maybe what's your what's been your your kind of biggest guest or your biggest moment on that podcast? Yeah, that's the the, the last one's a big one. I'm gonna have to think about the biggest and the the best uh, that we've had on. But I I, I think um, I, I started with a couple of friends of mine um, who are you know in in related spaces. Uh, one of one of my colleagues, Andrew Leadham, who's who's kind of the the, the lead kind of uh, host on it. Is um, he, he, you know, he looked at like battery electric vehicle markets for a long time, and uh, my other friend uh, Chris Jackson, who's over in the UK, has been looking at you know hydrogen applications quite a while, and we realized, look, it's 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 a complex market, right? It's not something that people have an immediate comfort with, and there was a lot of exciting things happening, so we tried to set something up where you could, uh, you know, tune in, listen to somebody from a particularly interesting company or somebody who's doing something innovative or cool and, and see what, you know, what, what led them to get there. And also, you know, in, in reasonably non-technical terms, have them explain why it matters and then have us, uh, have us wax lyrical a little bit afterwards as to what we think about it. Um, in terms of companies we've had on, um, we've had you know some of the big uh, electrolyzer manufacturers, so Nell and ITM Power. Uh, we've had Ballard uh, Power Systems on, so you know they're they're pretty prominent as a as a fuel cell manufacturing and based up in Canada. Um, we've had folks from Toyota on, uh, both here in the in the U.S. and, and also uh, folks from Europe and um, you know industrial gases companies as well. But we've also had some kind of very cool. Uh, you know, folks talking about uh, gas networks and, and gas infrastructure use. Now, I got to say, um, you know, I mentioned the aviation stuff. I remember talking to the uh, the guy uh, Val Mistikoff from uh, from Zero Avia, which is a startup. I think it's based out of California, but they also have an entity in the UK. And they were launching their first plane, and we we had a chat with them, and that was very very cool. Um, and and this is it, right? Like it's an innovative space. You cover things, like, you know. I, I've discovered and learned more from talking to these guys about, you know, them trying to solve problems that they encountered in their, you know, kind of uh, professional and industrial life. And it's just cool always to talk to to problem solvers. Yeah. But speaking of that, Mike, I gotta I gotta I gotta throw it in here. You know, given that that Naxi now is is launching a report, and given all the conversations we've had, I think I think you're gonna have to join us sometime. Oh well, I guess if uh, if I get you to be on my podcast, I'll be on yours. So, uh, you know, one of the challenges I was I was talking actually today to some people about how, 
you know, these are transformational, and you, you just touched on it. It's very complex. Um, it, it's actually scary to some of us, right, because we, we, we're worried we may not understand it or it's just so, so different. So how do you balance the, um, you know, even on the podcast or just in the normal work, how, how do you balance uh, bringing people up to speed with the technology from an education standpoint while, but while also dealing with, you know, a lot of the decisions and actions and sort of details that, that, that present themselves there. It's, I find that as a, as a real challenge in our work all the time. It's, it's always a, I think a different question depending on the, the audience and the, the moment, right? If you're, if you're talking to folks who are looking to, to build projects or they're looking to get into it, yeah, you have to kind of engage them where, where they're coming from, right? So, on the sector norms and, you know, how you look at a, a performance, you know, obviously we're talking about trucking a little bit. So, you know, the performance of the vehicle, right. Um, but it is, you know, it is a more complex sector, right. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a challenge in ways, but, you know, I, I think it's one of those, those, those kind of areas where you have to be patient and, and understanding uh, uh, that, Folks have legitimate questions and concerns, and right. that's that's entirely okay. There's no there's no reason not to, to ask a question about about an emerging technology and an emerging application. So, look, we we come to it pretty pretty directly, and and I suppose in in the podcast as well, like we we try to keep it in a non technical space. Sometimes you just kind of have to go there, but I think it's an opportunity for us to kind of test some of the kind of the broader assumptions and you know usually most of the time we're learning too so uh that's that's that kind of probably keeps us a little bit humble as well oh absolutely so our, our time's kind of coming to a close um one of the things we hear quite often is you know fleet managers at trucking fleets uh you know they they get a call from their ceo saying hey i hear hydrogen is the next thing and we better get on it so go study up and and, or their board of directors at these fleets, or even at some of the manufacturers of trucks, right? That says, okay, I'm I'm building components for diesel trucks, but uh, you know, all we're hearing is they're going to be fuel cell trucks in a couple of years. So go go study up, go study up, you know. And and so um, given that uh, a lot of the audience here is is trucking, whether they're fleets or manufacturers or governments or whatever, knowing what you've learned in the hydrogen space and the opportunity you see with Hydrogen is a truck fuel. What, what, what's your advice to, to us? I mean, just uh, how do you think we should look at it, approach it, um, fast, slow, measured? Um, you know, how, what would be your advice? I, I feel like I feel like it's all of the above, right? You know, it, look, there's an education piece here for sure, and and, and I would say just just as a immediate flag, like you mentioned, DOE's work. DOE have been working. Uh, really, really well for a long time on this space. So there's a lot of resources from them. Um, but the, the other thing is, frankly, Mike, reach out to folks like yourself and the team at NACFI and, and talk to people. Learn learn about the uh, the experiences of others because you know there's 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 been deployments you know particularly obviously in the vehicle space across the world. So there's there's folks you can talk to out there who know what this looks like, know the challenges of deploying know the opportunities too and um you know you should you should move in a measured way when you need to move in a measured way and you should go slow when you need to go slow but uh when the time comes to accelerate you know if the opportunity is right you know you should do that with confidence having done the done the right work and you know i i think 
Yeah, if you if you talk to to people who are engaged in the space, I've I've yet to come across somebody who'll close a door on me. Um, I've I've always asked lots of questions to to folks who are working in all these sectors that we've we've just covered over over the course of time because it's impossible for one person to be an expert uh, in every single one. But uh, yeah, like people are generally willing to help and well, generally willing to share their stories. And I think if you start there. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity to learn and see if it fits your need. Yeah, very sage advice there. I think the, uh, you know, kind of the, the real key thing I heard is, you know, be educated enough to know when you need to act. Sometimes people call that fast followers. I'm not a big fan of the term fast followers, but it's a very similar concept to watch what others are doing. And if it's, if it's really going to help your business and your situation, then, then go fast after you've, you know, created a plan through education. So I have to cut it off there, Patrick. It's been fantastic. Uh, yeah, I look forward to being on the other side of the chair or the side of the mic or whatever they call it in podcast land. But um, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mike. Look forward to having you. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Rosen Friends. 